Alrighty, now welcome back to this episode of Matrix Breakers. Here in Matrix Breakers, we talk about a wide variety of topics. We will cover, um, you know, uh, world events, current news, uh, opinions, whether they're political or cultural. And today, uh, we're going to talk about relationships, trust, and influence, which is a a very key topic for a lot of people. People wish they had more influence. People want to have deeper bonds with their friends. People aspire to have trust or to rebuild trust within friendships and partnerships. So for me, uh, you know, I want to start with relationships. In relationships, whether they're friendship or in partnership, it's important to develop this ability to trust each other to know that either you have each other's back, you will defend each other, and also you won't share intimate information um, and you won't create division where there doesn't need to be any, right? And I think in partnership in general, you do have to think about managing your partnership, managing your relationship. And a question that has occurred to me recently is, are you showing up as a CEO of your relationship, if I may use that kind of reference, or are you showing up as a mid-level $50,000 a year manager, managing a relationship? It's the difference between becoming a micromanager or aspiring to have a level of influence in the relationship, but detached from the outcome of various situations. In relationship, we have to realize that yes, we are bonded with this person, especially if it's someone, I'm obviously talking about romantic relationships in this moment. We're bonded to that person, but we have to be detached from the outcome of their decision-making process. Realize that if you're constantly influencing or even forcing a decision to be made that they feel they can't make their own decision, over time, there will be a breakdown. There will be really a lot of a cost to those types of actions. And so I would equate that to becoming a mid-level manager, a micromanager. You want to kind of influence and shake up things and put things in your vision only. And I would say a lot of the time, not, not every time, but a lot of the time, it's men who have a certain vision for their relationship and their woman. And in many ways, I believe that men are supposed to lead the relationship, right? They're the ones who are supposed to propose and move the steps forward, things like that. Uh, so it's fair to say that men can still lead the relationship, but what kind of leader are you? Are you the micromanaging mid-level you know, uh, manager at Wendy's in your relationship? Are you the guy who shows up and People are afraid to express, afraid to be themselves, are not capitalizing on all opportunities because they're afraid of disappointing you. That's micromanaging. That's to a level where you're in a relationship. How is that affecting your relationship? And these are some recommendations that I might have for this kind of a, of a relationship is for people who do feel like they're micromanaging or they feel like there's an intensity about it is try these kinds of words. When somebody, like when your partner says, I think I'm going to go do ABC, or I think I'm going to do it this way, try these words. Okay, that sounds great. And whatever you'd like to do, or 
this is I, I I support that. You know, these kinds of words are super beneficial to a relationship because it allows your partner to feel like they have the freedom to make their own decisions. They have the freedom to lead their own life. This doesn't mean that someone uh, or your partner in particular doesn't uh, include you in decisions. It doesn't mean your partner is leading their own life and it's going astray from the relationship. I'm not saying that. There's That's a different conversation. That means there's very little managing going on at all and there's very little attention drawn into your relationship. That's like a, you're, you're, you're go, going apart. Totally different conversation. I'm talking about a couple that would have intense love for each other and they also want to see the outcomes for each other to be mutually beneficial. And so while one partner might think it needs to be look a, a certain way and the other partner thinks it needs to look a certain way, as a CEO, this has been the mindset that I've been acquiring over the last, this year has been a theme of that. As a CEO, you're not attached to the micro details. You're not attached to the vision of everything being exactly the way you see it. As a CEO, in many cases, you're hiring professionals, you're hiring specialists, you're hiring talent, and you're bringing them in to make the company that you envisioned more efficient and better. But do you think Steve Jobs holds on to every decision-making process in the company? Obviously, he's dead. But the point is, is do you think he made every decision for the company all the time? No, that's not what CEOs do. CEOs are going to hire other great people in various divisions and specialties in a company. And so the way you look at this is relationship. Are you the CEO of your relationship? Are you allowing a flow to happen without your influence constantly or your opinions? That's a very important concept that has been occurring to me lately in my own relationship um, as well as other relationships that I've been witnessing. I think that it's important to recognize that. Obviously, a lot of people had a lot to say uh, on my Facebook. And if you don't follow me there, you, you're free, free to do so. Uh, but on my Facebook, where I was able to share all of that, you know, I think that uh, people can clearly see how you can get kind of bogged down by thought processes as a man in conversation with your woman, okay? And uh, I did go over that on Facebook. Actually, Taking a second, I'm going to make sure that my technology is working. So for those of you listening to the podcast, I'm actually here to like show really quick. Hold on one second. I want to make sure that I'm going live because I am on a new, I'm on a new computer here and I'm, okay, great, great. Everything's looking, looking smooth. Okay. So that's something that I wanted to address up front with relationships. Okay. How are you showing up? What kind of manager are you? Um, another thing is when you are in partnership, because for some, a lot of people liked relationship topics. They like to learn more about relationships. They want to be more effective in relationships. They want their relationship to be more harmonious. They want their relationship to flow better, right? And this is, this is you. I hope this is everybody. Obviously, if you're in relationship, that's kind of what you want, right? You aspire for that. 
then I'm going to cover more topics around this area. I personally have a wonderful relationship with my girlfriend, Casey, and we have learned a lot about each other and the relationship in general and how things flow better. And we've worked on our relationship. And one way we've been able to do that, which is something I highly recommend for all of you to to acquire as a part of your routine, is a relationship check-in. So every single week, Casey and I do a relationship check-in. We ask various questions. And to start it off, we always talk about what we were grateful for that our partner did for us in the previous week. And that's so important to start off because you're recognizing various things that your partner did for you. And you're realizing, wow, that is so supportive. That is amazing that she was able to do that or he was able to do that. So that's how we kind of start the relationship check-in. We have other questions, of course, down the road as like, what would we love to see this week in our relationship and in our personal lives? That way we're connected to each other. We're connected to each other's goals, aspirations, thought process. It shows up because when we achieve various things throughout the week, we're able to celebrate appropriately because we have lots of communication in the beginning of the week during this kind of relationship check-in. I'm not going over all the details, but another one is towards the end is we're asking, what are we planning this week? And who leads in those plans? So if your girlfriend has plans with a, a girlfriend of hers and it involves a dinner thing and it's a couple's, like a double date or something and it's her friend, she leads in that planning on that evening. That's her duty to get, you know, address, times, those various things that you would need for an event to happen, right? Dress code, if, if anything. That's information, right? So you ask who leads, who supports. And this way, you have an ebb and flow of relationship dynamic where you know who's leading, you know who's, you know, planning and responsible for the planning in various different events that you would find yourself in throughout the week, right, with your partner. There's so many things that can happen. Um, but yes, that's relationship check. And if you're interested in learning more about that, message me because I can go on about that. I can even give you a copy of my relationship check-in. There, there's at least 12 questions that we ask each other. And we usually do this on a walk. By the way, walks with your partner are incredible ways to connect deeply. You're able to kind of walk out even some frustrations as you're, as you're moving. If you're moving your body and you're able to communicate, it's actually way more effective than having like a sit-down conversation. And that's just my opinion, but I feel that that has worked better for me and Casey in our relationship. Uh, but moving on to this other very important topic, which is trust. So trust is very important. Obviously, the minute things like trust as in like no one's cheating on each other, like that's very foundational and concrete. But beyond that, there's a layer of trust that kind of builds up over time, which is with communication and intimate information. Um, so I think the, uh, the question I want to ask here is that when people share intimate information with you, do you see it as sacred? Now I'm going to go transcend beyond just your intimate partnership, right? You have friends, you have family members, right? Who share with you intimate information and the way that you have access to that intimate information is through trust. You have to see the trust as your conduit to this information. And if you see it that way, then you know that you have to maintain that trust and not violate it because it will stop you from receiving this kinds of information in the future. It will end that 
partnership, that relationship, that kind of communication style with each other. Now, you know this if um, you've ever had a friend and you guys have a falling out or you know you just don't hang out anymore. What tends to happen is you also, when you do run into that person again, it's been a year, it's been six months or something, there's, there's not that trust anymore because it's like, well, I don't know what they're up to. They don't know what I'm up to. Maybe it would be nice to reconnect and share, but there might be a layer of distrust because the relationship has become distant over time. That's just a regular natural flow of things. Whereas if someone that you are friends with and you talk to every single day, once or twice a day, they're going to be more intimately involved in your life and they're gonna know more and that is because you have granted trust with them. But when you are receiving information, is this information from your friend or from a family member, is this information for you and you only? Because that's the way that person sharing it probably believes. Or is it the information that you, it's for you and then your, your partner, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Is that information that your best friend told you information for both you and your partner? No, it was just for you. But a lot of people tend to share with their partner because they share everything with their partner. Oh, this person told me so and so. This told me, this person said this about this person. All of that stuff is shared within partnership. I'm not saying not to have that kind of relationship with your, your partner, especially if information deals directly with your partner or things like that. It's kind of been a, a little bit touchy. Um, however, if it goes from, you know, this person shares with you information and then it goes to your partner and then it goes to a best friend. Oh, well, they're your best friend. So you're telling one friend or close friend and you're, you're receiving information and then you tell your best friend all of that information. It's like, no, that person did not sign up to tell that information to your best friend. Even though you're best friends, that shouldn't be always connected. Because what tends to happen is this. Sooner or later, it all comes back around. So if your best friend then meets this other friend or they all have a hangout or this or that, then there might be an, an opportunity for the friend who originally told you information that was intimate to share that same intimate information with your best friend. Now, if your best friend already knows that intimate information because they got it from you, they had it interpreted through you, wasn't even perfectly said because it's not your information to share, now your best friend is in a predicament where they have to pretend like they don't know. Everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about because this has for sure happened to you before, where it's like you have to pretend you don't know or you have to pretend like you're hearing it for the first time. You know, and that's the thing is it just creates this level of like, what if that person, what if your best friend slips up and says, oh yeah, I already knew that because, you know, so-and-so told me this is going to be like, well, that information was not for that person. But now I know that when I tell this person things that it's going to go to the next person or the best friend or the partner, that can be a major issue because then you lose trust. So I think that you have to remember that when you are getting information, it doesn't need to be, hey, don't tell anyone. It's like, don't tell anyone, I'm gonna share with you this. Someone shouldn't have to say that to you for you to get a clue and realize, hey, this is really intimate information about their family or about some financial drama or about a relationship drama or something. And if that person is confiding, this is the most important part, if they are confiding in you, there's trust there and as you go along in life and you develop that trust and they confide in you, you confide in them, 
you would want the same respect for your intimate information to not be shared with others, right? And so I think that's an important thing because a lot of people in this world, by the way, this is statistically true, are losing friends and they don't have as many close friendships. I saw a study, I think, done back in uh, the early 90s showing how friends of different generations have developed where back in like baby, baby boomer past, there was at least five to eight close confidants. Do you understand what a confidant is? It means you're confident and sharing intimate information with that person about your marriage, about your finances, about all the very intimate, secretive, in a way, information. There's a confident, right? A confidant. There were about five to eight confidants in people's lives back in the baby boomer age. Today, I would say in the 90s when the study was done, it was down to who do you trust with absolutely every piece of who you are, like all your information, who, how many people, that was the question, how many people do you trust with all of your intimate information? Like as like, can, you can share anything with, I think that's how the question was phrased. People came back and said only one, it was like 1.2, cause it was an average. It was like 1.2 people. So on average, you and I, let's just say in this example, only have, or the average person only has one person to talk to about anything. Do you recognize how limited that can make your life? You see, because I'm not sharing to, I'm not saying to share your business with all of your friends and that they are all evenly um, confidants, okay? That's not fair to say. However, when it comes down to it, if you have multiple confidants and you can, let's just talk about finances. Finances are very private information. Let's say you're in a financial struggle or you're dealing with something, right? But let's say you have three to five people that you trust with this information that you can share. You're going to get three to five perspectives. And with those three to five perspectives, you will be enlightened faster and you will solve your problems quicker. Does that make sense? Whereas if you feel tight, like you don't, you can't tell anyone about your finances, how are you supposed to go get help in that area if you're struggling with it? Does that make any sense? I'm not saying you should share your relationship business with other people. That's not fair to your relationship. However, if in your relationship you feel that there's a, you want an outside opinion to help alleviate some kind of stress or help come to a conclusion within the relationship, I think it's okay to invite one or two, maybe even three confidants to be exposed to all the information that is the problem in your relationship. And then those three perspectives can be hopefully evenly balanced. That's also very important. Whole nother conversation. But if they're evenly balanced and they give you a, a perspective that you didn't think about before, it will help you come to a conclusion and a decision with your relationship. That's how confidants can benefit your life. But the only way that you can achieve confidants is that everything in exchange happens evenly. If they share with you intimate information, there's a trust. You don't share that with anyone else, and then this is the only way that you can get proven over time, proven that you have trust, is that over time, you do not share that information and you genuinely are holding that for yourself and you see it as sacred, sacred information, sacred thoughts, right? 
That's that is how you would hold on to it appropriately. So that's kind of how I see trust and how it's built and the benefits of having trust and having different perspectives, having different people in your life that are confidants that will not share your information with others. You know, even if let's say you told, let's say you're you're a woman and you told a, your best friend, a girlfriend about your finances, she's not going to go tell her husband about your financial problems. You know, like unless, unless you specifically said, I know your husband's good with money. Maybe you should tell him about my problems and I would love to see some feedback. Great. What is that? That's permission. Yes, go talk to your husband about it because he's great with money. That's fair game. But if something is unspoken or there's it's intimate information and you feel like you know it's intimate information because it's obvious, then you don't share it with anybody. However, this is what's powerful. Let's say, same scenario, let's say your husband, like this woman's husband, was very good in the financial area and you have a friend who's dealing with financial struggles and you hate to see your friend dealing with financial struggles. There is a an appropriate referral that you can make, right? You have to get your friend's permission because at the end of the day, the friend shared with you this intimate information about their finances in this example. So if they tell you, you know, don't tell anybody, then that's what it is, but you can always ask permission. Hey, my husband, this in this scenario, is really good with finances and could help alleviate this stress for you. Can I give him a referral? Can I refer you to him as a way to benefit your life quicker? Because I don't know the answer to your problems. That's what a true confidant can do. And the thing about what's important is in this scenario, you're asking permission. You're not just sharing and then later the person finds out, why did you tell your husband that? Well, it's just, he's so good at money and like I figured I could get some advice from him about what you could do and I wanted to tell you. Because everyone's about ego. They want to seek out the the solution through someone else but then pretend to be the source of the solution and tell their friend that. But no, you had to reveal intimate information with this other person to even get the solution. Whereas what you can create is an opportunity to connect two people and create more bonds. This leads me to my next thing. In community, to build community, you have influence. So if you connected this person with this person and that connection is made, and let's just say in this example, the problem is solved, you are responsible for solving the problem. Not because you had all the answers, but because you knew somebody that had the answer. And you were able to confidently get permission from that person who shared intimate information with you to refer them to this other person who could possibly solve the problem. That is the power of trust and equally, as you step up into it, influence. Influence is critical to um, anyone who aspires to make any change in the world. And it all starts with community your intimate friend group, your intimate community. Does everybody gossip about everybody's shit? Or is there, do you have a level of influence where you're getting information from all these various parties and groups and you hold it and it's sacred? What happens then? You develop trust with everybody and they share with you a lot, but you don't go and you know, share, well, this person said this thing about this person and this thing that, that, and that's, that's the, that's the toxic dark side of influence. But because you've been granted influence and you are receiving 
information about something and then you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put in my opinion and I'm gonna solve this problem. You have this hero complex that wants to solve the issue. I deal with this. I'm talking to myself a lot too. But like, you want to solve the issue because you already hear it from this side and you heard it from this side and you want to bridge the gap. That can help sometimes. But what I've noticed is if you over, overtly commit yourself to the problem and try to solve it, you're violating trust. You're violating, well, I told this person that you said this, that because I figured that y'all should just solve the problem already. It's like that's not for you to decide. You know, there are going to be times where there will be wedges within friends and groups and people that will never be recovered. And there's going to be opportunities where if you got permission, hey, do you mind if I bring this up to this person and share with and so we can create this bridge of trust and create this bridge of communication, then you can be the conduit for that. That is influence. Influence is your ability to share your opinions, but getting permission from everybody to develop the to solve the problem. As I said earlier, you're referring your friend with who has financial issues to someone's husband or your husband, whoever it is, who's good about it. You got permission. You connected the two together. You're not pretending because you received information. You're not pretending to be the source of the information. You are actually connecting them so they get the appropriate solution to the problem. And once that problem is solved, you are getting, you're going to get credit. You're going to get credit. And then if you do this enough times where you connect people together to solve their problems, you will develop massive influence. So the question is, do you aspire to have influence in your community? Do you see the benefits? Ask yourself, what are the benefits of having influence in my community? A lot of people listening to this right now maybe are just, they're not cut out for that type of leadership. And you have to accept that fact. With that being said, you still can do the first part, which is developing trust. If you develop trust and intimate relationships with others. I'm not saying intimate like sexually or something. I'm just saying like you have intimate information. So therefore it's an intimate relationship. Um, then you can live an awesome life just by having that level of trust and that, that bondship with others. However, if you want to take a step up, you develop influence by solving problems with the intimate information that you're granted. You're granted the intimate information through trust and then through trust comes influence. And what happens there, there's a breakdown of influence if you lose trust. If if you, like I said, if you share too much information with too many groups of people, that group of people is gonna say, why do I know this about that group or that friend when I never was, I never asked and I didn't need to know about it. Now I know, and especially, especially if someone wants to take advantage of it, they'll ask you, being that you have all the influence, being that you have the leadership, being that you are privy to intimate information about a lot of people in your social circle, people go to you directly and say, hey, what does so-and-so think about so-and-so? Let's just say they're trying to hook someone up. Let's just say they like somebody, so-and-so likes this person and they wanna, they wanna figure that out. That's friendly and that's fine, but if it's like, you're gonna sit there and someone tells you intimately, I have a crush on so-and-so and they're in your friend group and then you go out of your way to be like, oh, so-and-so, this person has a crush on you. Like that can be fun, but how often has that gone wrong? Where your friend tells you, I have a crush on this person, you go and say it to that person because you're like, I'm gonna hook them up. 
And then that person doesn't like that person. Now it becomes awkward. And then that person gets pissed because you told them intimate information. And now it just makes it awkward and makes the friendship that they might have had worse or harder to recover because it's like, well, one person likes the other and it's just hard. So we already know very simple processes and we've all been through it because we if you've ever dealt with humans, you've been through anything that I just said at some point. And we have to recognize the importance of how you want to develop that influence. Do you aspire to be influential? Some people listening to this do not aspire to be influential. However, if you do aspire to be influential, the power of influence comes with great responsibility. And if you recognize that, you will garner influence that is incredibly awesome. And I think this will lead to your inevitable success in life. Because if you have this kind of influence and you want to be successful, you will garner success through having trust and great friendships and great bondships with other individuals in community. So this is the kind of concept that I wanted to bring to your attention. I love and appreciate your feedback on this. Um, you know, I want to carry on that conversation. I feel like I was just brief on it, but I appreciate you guys all tuning in. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Peace.